from Testimonies for the Church, Volume 1, and we're in Chapter 64, which is a pretty short chapter. So I started to add the next chapter with it, but since we had already sent out that we were just doing 64, we left it, left it in 64. So uh, let me get it pulled up here. We were trying to figure out why um, people were having a problem hearing me when I was speaking on our live streams, even though everybody could hear me on our Zoom. And I think we, I think we figured it out. So we can talk about that later. Lee, where's Lapita? She right here. She finished in dessert too. <laughs> oh, okay. I made a chocolate okay. tofu pie. Oh, sounds great. <laughs> okay, Paul, would you give us a word of word of prayer? Heavenly Father, Lord, we're thankful, Lord, that we can come aside, Lord, just to open up your word, Lord, and we invite your Holy Spirit, Lord, to commune with us, Lord, and open up our hearts and understanding that we may gain a closer understanding of your love and plan for us. It's our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 You know, it's interesting because we have so many events going on right now um, in our nation and in the world. And um, as students of Bible prophecy, we're seeing some of the very things that we've studied about coming to pass. And um, this chapter in uh, Testimonies for the Church is about unity of faith. Mm -hmm. And um, it's really talking about how professed believers, I'm just going to start off with the first paragraph. It says professed believers in and about do not come up to the work and practice the truths which they profess. You know, we, we know that um, the word of God says that all who live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. So then the question becomes, well, where is that persecution? Where is that persecution in our lives? And the answer is what, Lee? Depends on where you live at. Here yeah. in America, we're not really persecuted yet, but overseas, you better not walk around with a Bible or consider yourself a Christian. So people are being persecuted around the world. I think in America, we're looking for uh, when the uh, Protestants and Catholics join hands for persecution, but Persecution has never really ended. Okay. But you gotta be you gotta be doing something in order to be living uh, right. Absolutely. You gotta be living godly in Christ Jesus in order to even suffer that persecution. Because the devil don't care about persecuting you if you're walking along with him or in secret doing things that you know he knows you're gonna lose out on, on heaven. So you got to be living godly in Christ Jesus. And um, we know that a time is coming, even though it may not be here yet. I mean, we've seen some scenes on television in the last, what, 10 or 11 days that are just appalling in this country. You know, we have seen uh, the military come out against our own citizens. And so we know that that 
and, and 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 I can't. I don't know those people that they came out against. I don't know the people that they that they knocked down and pushed over and stepped on and stepped over and kicked. I don't know them, so I don't know what type of life that they live. But we're seeing the seeds of what is to come. I'll just put it like that. And I believe that there are varying degrees of persecution. So mm -hmm. when it says those who choose to live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. So when I think about persecution, it can be just inflicting pain. So we can experience pain in various ways by the way society can treat you and ostracize you because of your beliefs. Okay, so there are varying forms of persecution. I don't think it's just gonna start when they start putting us in jail and this, that, and the other. Okay. But don't you all okay. think that, don't you think African Americans are in some kind of way persecuted? Like you said, it's varying is various degrees. If they are profiling, isn't that a type of persecution? Or um, I think there, I mean, I know it can be extreme where they're actually killing you, but if they are taking you off the street and putting you in the jail for no reason just because you're black, is that a type of persecution? Oh yeah, I think it's a type of persecution. I don't think it's the same type of necessarily, I mean, it could be of those who are living godly in Christ Jesus, because to be persecuted just because of the color of your skin, it has nothing to do with your walk with Christ. And we see that all the time. It has nothing to do with your walk with Christ. It's just because of how God created you to look. Yeah, but it also, for yeah. me, if we can look at it from that perspective, then you know absolutely it's easy for people to persecute you because of God, because of your godly beliefs. Right, absolutely. If they can do it just because of the color of your skin, then how much more so will they do it because your lifestyle is a chastisement, even if it's a silent chastisement on their lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And then, and then you and know, then. there are a lot of uh, people who are mentally ill, I'll just put it like that, <laughs> walking around these streets. Mentally ill, meaning that they believe that their way is the only way and that anybody else's way is wrong. Mm -hmm. You know, um, we have someone in office that believes that. So, yeah. and, and sincerely, truly believes that, that, that his way is the right way. And anybody else's way is the wrong way. Mm -hmm. and, and, and he even said it. He said, he said, the president has absolute authority. Now, I don't know what country he thinks he's living in, but he did say that. <laughs> president has absolute authority to do whatever he wants to do. Anyway, let's get back to uh, our, our study for today. Um, in that first paragraph down at the bottom, it says that... Um, that if all had felt an attachment for the review, which is is what which was the an Adventist publication at the time uh, that published the truth, um, that they would have been benefited and instructed by the truths that it advocated, and they would have had a correct faith and a settled position upon the truth applicable for that time, and would have been guarded and saved from fanaticism. So we, 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 the last lesson that we talked about, chapter 63, she was talking about fanaticism in the church. And um, she's continuing in this chapter about fanaticism in northern Wisconsin at the time. 
And she said, the sensibilities of many are blunted. False excitement has destroyed their discernment and spiritual eyesight. It is of the highest importance now for them to move understandingly that Satan's object may not be fully accomplished in overthrowing those whom he has had power to deceive. And let's bring that forward to this time and the deceptive powers of Satan. And we know that as time passes, many are going to fall under the deceptions of Satan, right? And we know that um, Satan is going to have the power to work miracles. And, and, and some people say, well, those will be um, seemingly miracles. But the Bible doesn't say seemingly miracles, does it? <laughs> no, they're going to be real miracles. They're going to be, right. Go ahead, do miracles. Right, right. And so um, there are going to be real miracles that are going to be happening. But how do we guard against that? How, how do we guard against that? You know, the Bible says that um, if it were not possible, the very elect, if it were possible, the very elect would be deceived. That's going to be a strong, a strong um, deception. We're going to have to definitely have been sealed to God. That's the first thing. And the way the on the way to getting sealed is through studying, praying, uh, meditating, communicating, and following and obeying God. That's that's our only safety is to be um, having a relationship, a close relationship with God. You know, I heard a, a minister say, "You have to know that you know that you know that you know." You know, and that involves study, right, and prayer. And a connection with with God through the Holy Spirit to know that, you know, for for one thing, you're not going to be able to rely on what your eyes see because we're going to see miracles. But you have to we're going to have to be able to compare the fruit of what's happening or what we see with the word of God. Right. And yeah. In order for the very elect to avoid being deceived, we're going to have to be studied up and prayed up, right? Right. That's right. I remember E. Cleveland said once, he said, you got to believe in them, believe on them, and just believe them. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, so, you know, this lesson started off talk, talking about professed, Christians. So when I think about professed, saying that you're making an open declaration that you believe in something. And so I said, those who profess to be a Christian, but they live a different lifestyle, they don't really live up to the dictates of their beliefs. They blunt the truth. They're really agents of Satan because the world is looking at those professed Christians and saying, okay, this is the standard that you're saying. So when I think about professed Christian, you should have some integrity, you know, just some, some ethics about you that are sustained and uncompromising. And that's what God's looking for in these, in these last days. Sister White often writes about nominal Adventists, par partially there, not really, not really striving to be all they can be. Uh, when I was teaching a Bible class, one of the student, she was a new member, and she said, well, we were talking about some issue of uh, 
sanctification. And she says, well, uh, after a while, then we grow up and we become full-fledged Christians. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty wow. full-fledged Christians. <laughs> so, yeah. And what, what, what does that mean to be a full-fledged Christian? <laughs> you let sin taper off a little bit at a time, right? <laughs> okay, okay. But we know that we know that in order to see His face, we have to become perfect as He is perfect. And but we also know that we will not be truly perfected until He actually comes, and we're changed in that moment in the twinkling of an eye. And he makes up the difference between what we have done to walk right, to walk upright before him and absolute righteousness. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, let's, let's go down to the second paragraph, uh, paragraph three, 23, two. And She's talking about those who have witnessed and experienced false exercises and are convinced of their mistake. She said, then Satan takes advantage of their error and holds it constantly before them to make them afraid of any spiritual exercise. And in this way, he seeks to destroy their faith in true godliness. So on the one hand, she's talking about those who um, are, are drawn off down a road of fanaticism. And then on the other hand, she's talking about those who are convinced of their mistake, but then Satan basically tells them, well, you know what? Because you made such a huge mistake, now don't even walk at all with Christ because you might make an even worse mistake, basically. Mm -hmm. So going from one extreme of just fanaticism to, okay, you realize your mistake, but now, you know, don't, don't try to correct it because, you know, you might end up in a worse place than you were the first time. We were watching a documentary um, just last night, and the guy was pointing out Ascension Rock, where the Adventists were waiting on Christ, and then he didn't come, and they were all disappointed, you know, and were crying and upset. And, of course, Satan used that opportunity to, like you were just talking about, tell people, ah, oh, he ain't coming, he'll never come, and you messed up so royally, nobody going to ever believe a word you say, and your family hates you and you ostracize, you might as well kill yourself or something. And many of the people did believe it and then fall away. Fall away, but right. Absolutely. That not everyone fell for Satan's tricks and they kept their faith in God and depended upon the Holy Spirit to correct their mistake and lead them into the path of righteousness. Right. And what was part of what they did? What, what was a big part of what they did in order to correct their mistake? They went back and restudied um, the Bible. Absolutely. See what Absolutely. Was, what, where they made the mistake at. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And that's something that we all have to keep in mind, you know, that if we find ourselves down a road of error, the answer is not to just cease to walk with Christ. The answer is to go back and find out where we deviated. Mm-hmm. Go back and study and find out where did we deviate from the correct path. And then, of course, with prayer and with the Holy Spirit's help and study, we know that God will always reward the sincere seeker for truth. And he will always. Go ahead. One of the things, too, we have to remember is 
uh, if we find ourselves off the path of righteousness away from Christ, then we have to ask who moved. And we know he didn't move. <laughs> so mm-hmm. again, we have to go back and restudy and pray. And when we're studying in Sabbath school, sometimes it's, it's always a lot of fun because everybody has different opinions and different thoughts on what they read. But if you run into a difference of opinion, then you don't get mad at the other person, but take the opportunity to go back and study some more. Like mm-hmm. we we're just talking about. If you mm-hmm. find out that I didn't have that correct, what I was thinking, Go back and pray and study on it some more. And God has promised his Holy Spirit to lead us into all truth. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it says in the middle of this second paragraph, it says, because they were once deceived, they feared to make any effort by earnest, fervent prayer to God for special aid and victory. Such must not let Satan gain his object and drive them to cold formality and unbelief. They must remember that the foundation of God stands sure. And so that's just what you were saying, Lee, that we, we just have to go back to the books again. And we have to go back and, and with the help of the Holy Spirit and through prayer and study, um, determine where we deviated from, from the correct place. And it says that God be true and every man a liar. Their only safety is to plant their feet upon a firm platform to see and understand the third angel's message to prize, love and obey the truth. And we know we know that there are going to be people that do not receive a love of the truth. And what happens when they don't receive a love of the truth? What's God going to do? Send strong delusions. They'll be believe a lie. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And so going on, I liked that sentence you read, Karen, let God be true and every man a liar. So mm-hmm. a lot of times we'll hear someone say, oh, the, the earth is a trillion years old or Man came from a monkey, et cetera. And that, we have to remember that sentence, let God, let the word of God be true and every man a liar. So whether you think it's true or not, trust in God's word because God has always proven to be true and man has always proven to be false. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Or or if not always false, then wherever, wherever man's, thinking does not line up with the word of God. The word of God must prevail over man's thinking and man's theories and and, and all of that. Um, Next paragraph, um, 324.1, it starts out saying Christ is leading out a people and bringing them into the unity of the faith that they may be one as he is one with the father. Differences of opinion must be yielded that all may come into union with the body, that they may have one mind and one judgment. What do you think about that? What do you think about people who persist in a strong opinion contrary to what the word of God says? But they, but they, but they, they come to church every Sabbath. Um, they return a faithful tithe and offering. They have all the other tenements of a true Christian, but they stand on a point of error. What do you think about that? Well, either the Lord is going to allow them to believe a lie or they just not at a point where they have been convicted, you know, of what is of the truth, but they will believe a strong, they will be delusional. They will be allowed to believe a lie. And they more than likely that person will leave church and he's probably gonna take a few people. Hmm. 
You think so? so yeah, I believe. If, so if Christ, so if they are not at the same point of conviction, I'll put it like that, like you said, that one of us may be at, does that necessarily mean that they're going to fall away? No, it doesn't mean they will. But if they, if it's, because if it's, they're not at a point of conviction, then that just means they haven't even entered their mind that, that it's wrong. They just don't get it. But once people are convicted and the Holy Spirit is riding you, telling you this is the wrong way, you're either going to sit on the, on that pew and have no relationship with God because it's, it's, it's a stopping point at that point. Or you're going to eventually move on, move on about your business and find a group of people who believe as you do or will follow what you believe. I think a thing too to remember is if you disagree with my opinion, that's fine. You can resist me all you want. Doesn't make a big difference. But when you resist the Holy Spirit, now you're going to have a problem. And I like the way Sister White puts it. When we lose hold on the word of God and lose our sure foundation, our anchor, then we're left to beat about upon the rocks of infidelity. I think that is so funny, but it's so true. Once you let hold, lose hold of the Holy Spirit who interprets the word for us, you're just going to be out there believing any kind of lie. Mm. Mm. That's right. And when you have the Holy Spirit, then you will have it. The fruit will display itself, which is long suffering and humility. So if you have a person that is, it's all right to disagree, but not to be disagreeable. Where it doesn't matter. Some people, it doesn't matter what you say. They're just going to do the opposite side. That's not the spirit of God. So when they say being in the spirit of unity, you may have a, a, a common goal. We may look at it and want to achieve it from a different perspective, but we want we are aiming for the same goal. And then when you get into prayer, then God through the Holy Spirit, you'll come on that one accord and agree and be in agreement. Okay. Okay. Um, the next, I think that may be why um, some people refer to different groups as legalists because of the way that we actually deal with people who disagree with how we believe the word is laid out. And I think it's important um, when you find someone who's totally against the word to be able to be open-minded enough to discuss and to, to share, you know, with them, the word of God, you know, and be, be willing to, uh, to pray with them and for them. Okay. That their minds and hearts may be drawn to God. Um, okay. Now you said something very interesting. You talked about a legalist and can a legalist be a professed Christian? Yes. <laughs> tell me, tell me how so. Anybody can be a professed Christian, right? Right, but t talk to me about a legalist. What, 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 what is a legalist? A legalist believes that they can be saved by their own merits, by their own works, like the the Pharisees. Our righteousness is as filthy rags. We're only saved by the merits of Christ by taking on his robe of righteousness, covering up our filthy rags. Now, so the Christian has to have a humble spirit, realizing that we're born in sin and shaping in iniquity. There's nothing righteous 
about us. There's nothing mobile, noble about us. It's all Christ. Any good that I do, it's not because of what I did, but it's because of Christ living within me. And Amen. Least, Go ahead. A legalist for me is a person who, um, when the Bible says, these things ought you to have done, not to leave the rest undone. So we're following the rules. We're doing, you know, everything that we're supposed to do. But we've lost... Um, we, we don't love, we don't, we have lost the um, concern for other people and genuine, just genuine love and, um, and kindness and goodness towards others. So it's, that's where, um, to me, legalist comes in at. Okay. And I and think that person is also the, the one whom the Bible describes as, you say, Lord, I did this. I fed the hungry. Mm -hmm. I fed the this. I did that. I did check, check, check. It's like a checklist. Did this, did this, did this. And the Lord says, depart from me, uh, you wicked. Um, so that I think that that's, that's one of, uh, where that comes in because there's just no real real care for anybody else. You think that, legal, that person who did that would be truly surprised that they did not make it? Yes, I do. I was going to simply say they're going by the letter of the law and not the spirit of the law. Mm -hmm. So then there's really no love behind their motives or their actions. It's basically built on the law says bomb, 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 but there's no love behind it. So there's no spirit behind the actual law. You know, I don't know. You know what, for what um, Avina said, I don't know that they're going to, um, be surprised because I believe the Lord convicts people. I don't think he holds us accountable for stuff we just don't know. They will be surprised because the, the last church, the Laodicean church, they thought they were rich and increased with goods and felt like they had need of nothing. They were not even aware of their spiritual bankruptcy. God says that you're blinded, uh, you, you can't see, you're miserable. And he said, but I gave you the prescription to buy me go to try it in the fire. I'll give you the eye salve to take off your spiritual blindness and I'll put on your robe of righteousness. Because when you look at Matthew 25, it was talking about the, the 10 virgins. It said those five virgins, after they went back, they realized they didn't have enough oil. They came back, the door was shut. And they say, Lord, didn't we do this? Didn't we prophesy? Didn't we do all these wonderful things in your name, cast out devils and all these religious things. And God declared to them, depart from me. I never knew you. They were surprised. They thought they should have been saved. Absolutely. It uh, also brings to mind the story in the Bible of the rich young ruler. When he asked, what, what more do I need to do? Uh, or what do I need to do? And the Lord responded to him and, and he said, well, I've done all those things. That, that's salvation by works. I've done all those things. <laughs> and then the Lord told him, okay, then leave all that you have and come and follow me. Or sell all that you have and come and follow me. One of the things we have to remember is that we keep God's commandments and follow his will because we love him, not to earn our place in heaven. Uh, like, like the example says, an apple tree doesn't grow apples to prove it's an apple tree. It grows apples because it is an apple. Mm -hmm. And we as Christians should be doing good works and keeping God's will because we are Christ's uh, servants. 
because we are Christians and because we love him and want to share that love with others. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, uh, in Corinthians, it says, if you have all uh, a lot of other things, but you don't have love, then you're just sounding brass and tinkling cymbal. And so if we, if we have the letter of the law, as Andre put it, but we don't have the spirit of the law, which is love. We do things out of love because we love him. We don't, we're not doing them to be saved, but we're doing them because we love him because we are saved. Then we have nothing. Um, Before you go on, what you said about tinkling symbol, I was just thinking about it because we had those uh, wind chimes outside. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they make a lot of nice noise, but they don't do anything. For <laughs> the purpose, they make noise. And that's well, how they let you know that the wind is blowing, though. Yeah, that's how people are who have no connection with Christ, but, you know, sounding brass and tinkling cymbal. Mm-hmm. Like they say, an empty barrel makes the most noise. Mm. You know, so it's not always that those that <laughs> jump up and down and shouting and hollering and screaming. Like E. Cleveland said, I don't care how how you jump when you shout, but how straight do you walk when you come back to the ground? Mm-hmm. So we don't mm-hmm. want to honor God just with our lips, you know, but we want to honor him in our heart. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, in the middle of that paragraph, uh, paragraph 324.1, uh, continuing, she's, he, she says, now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing. And that there be no divisions among you, but that she be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. Does that mean that we all have to walk as as automatrons? Like when we're in church, everybody has to do the same thing and everybody has to speak the same thing. What 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 does that mean to be joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment? Having the same uh, love for Christ, having the same goal, which is to bring souls in for Christ, being willing to work together, accepting each other because we are different, accepting, you know, the way you may want to do ministry may be different from the way I want to do ministry, accepting that a person may, we can read the same verse, we may have different understanding of the verse, but it does as long as that verse is not, for example, I read, remember the Sabbath day, six days, et cetera, et cetera, and come away thinking that's Tuesday, and you come away thinking that's, but we both understand that this is the Sabbath, but I may understand how to, you know, um, follow the Sabbath or observe the Sabbath. It may be a little different from the way you do it. You know, so just that respect and that care, that this is just, you know, her personal way of doing things and accepting people in that. And yet our goal, is to bring people to Christ and to share the love of Jesus wherever we can. Okay, so what you're saying is we keep the goal in mind, but how we get to the goal, we as individuals, because Christ has created us all to be individuals with different gifts, different talents, different people that we will be able to win to the gospel. And somebody that that I may be able to win, uh, one of you might not be able to win and vice versa because of just the differences that the Lord has given us in personalities. But again, like you were saying, our goal should be the same, which is to bring people to Christ. 
And so we should be respectful of that way because when we talk about the body of Christ, some people are going to be the head, some people are going to be the hands, some people are going to be the feet, some people are going to be the arms, some people are going to be the mouth, some people are going to be the ears. And so, but but the whole point of the body is to function harmoniously. Have you all ever seen the the, the those little girls that they have two heads? I don't remember their names, but have you seen them? They have two heads. They're they're conjoined twins, mm-hmm. and they have two heads. And so one of them controls the left side of the body and one of them controls the right side of the body. But they play sports, they run, they climb, they do everything. But the way they're able to do it is they work together Hmm. so that if one of them uh, has to bat, one of them is holding onto the bat, the other one is holding onto the bat, but they got to coordinate it at the same time so that their hand, that each hand will, you know, move at the same time. Or when they're running, one is control is in control of one leg and the other one is, is in control of the other leg. They got to coordinate it so that they can move seamlessly together. And that's what we as Christians have to do that we have to be able to move seamlessly together and say, okay, um, we want to run a mile. Well, we're not all the same. We don't have the same gifts. We don't have the same talents, but we all have that goal in mind that we want to run that mile and get to the end. Karen, I think one of your callers had a question or comment. Oh, okay. Go ahead. Whoever's number is 324-3733. Oh, I didn't know you guys could hear me. This is Paula. Happy Sabbath. Hi, Paula. Happy Happy Sabbath. Sabbath. I I had a a scripture when you guys began to talk about how we can um, work. Are we supposed to be Omitrons? First Corinthians 12, verse 4 says, Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. Mhm. Mhm. Absolutely. Absolutely. You want to you want to uh speak any more about that? No, Paula? that pretty much says it to me. No, that pretty much says it to me. Thank you. Okay. Okay. The verse uh, that you read also, I think it was Romans 15 says so that with one mind and one mouth glorify God. So as the scripture says, uh, whether and therefore you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God so that whatever we do, and as it was mentioned, it might be different things, but it should all be to glorify God. And so also, okay. uh, also, Karen, what that means to me is this. For example, when people go out, you know, to distribute tracts, everybody doesn't go out. Somebody's going to stay in, in and they're going to cook the food, you know, for lunch when you get back. You know, another person may stay and stand guard at the church. Another person may do something different. But, you know, whatever the other people do, if you choose to go and do tracks, just know that they're using their gifts according to how God has impressed them to use it. And so there should be no complaints, no no murmuring because they didn't go or because they did go. It, it simply is that everybody has different gifts. And they should be allowed to use those gifts according to how God impresses them to use the gifts. Whatever man, 
that reminds me of the, the analogy of a, if a person is in the in the army and you are, are going to fight in a battle, everybody can't be on the front line. You have to have the support staff, people getting the ammunition together, some people uh, you know, cooking the food, other people organizing uh, strategies. So yeah, you have a whole line of support in the body of Christ. But the main thing God says, let, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. So when you are of the same mind, you are uh, walking in the same direction. Bible talks about how can two people walk together except they agree a house divided against itself cannot stand. So Satan's objective is to divide the house of God, you know, mm -hmm. which by whatever means necessary. So we have to steadily stay humble, say humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and he will exalt you in due time. Too many people try to exalt themselves in ministry, but just keep a humble spirit and let God, and just be used however God gifted you to do it. Use that to honor God. So um, talk to me about schisms in the church. What's happening when there's schisms in the church? Because we're talking about unity of the faith. And we're talking about, you just said it, Paul, being of one mind with Christ Jesus. What's going on when there's schisms? Well, somebody's not of that mind. Somebody's, their own mind is more important. I, uh, we have jealousy. People are, we, I'm not going to say unconverted because I think that the Lord has to bring us into certain situations for us to understand what's inside of us. We don't know all of the deceptiveness and the wickedness that's in us. So we have to go by certain things, you know, certain experiences in our life to bring it out and so that we can pray and ask the Lord to help us and, and do our best to overcome it. But when it schisms in the church, for me, is uh, what I was talking about. Sometimes, you know, you have some people who are just extremely talented in some areas. Well, then you got somebody, the person who's going to cause the schism, is going to go and do a little gossiping, a little backbiting, you know, may drop this seed. You know, she did so, so and so and so. And so, you know, she really shouldn't be up front or he shouldn't be up front or they not this. So they, so though it's just like gossip in the church tearing the other person down because I'm feeling inadequate or insecure or jealous or whatever. Those are the type of things that we have to put away. We can't be united like that. We can't be. We can't be united if we think that knocking on the door is more important than the person who's cleaning up the church or who is, you know, um, managing the parking lot. We can't. It, it's not going to work. That's not a unified mind. Unified mind to me means we respect everybody's position. We value each person, no matter what they bring to the table. And sometimes they may not bring what we consider as much, but it's what God gave them to bring to the table. And we have to accept that. That's, you know, when we are all of one mind, realizing that God is working with every person according to the way God is going to work with them. And so trust we, God. So when we have that schism, and you, you, you said it very well, very well said, when we have that schism, how do we get back to this being of one mind? You have to fall on the rock. <laughs> you have to fall on the rock. You know, the, in the book Preparation for the Final Crisis, it said that what's going to cause the shaking is indifference. You know, people having um, situations where they upset 
at different people in the church. They mad at the usher because they didn't, they forced me to sit down. They talked to my kid wrong. You know, people always ask for money. They trying to force me to do this, that, and the other. They didn't let me be on my, on my team. It's all types of things that can cause indifference in the church. But until we take the straight testimony and um, ask for repentance, because we have to, you know, going back to the seventh church, the, the last church, they didn't realize that they needed any repentance. They thought they were good. So we have to humble ourselves and realize it's not my mother, not my brother, but it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. I don't have a critical eye to anybody else, but I'm looking at the standard who is Christ. The closer I get to him, the more humble I am to realize that I need repentance. I need to fall on that rock and repent daily. And we Hello? also, go ahead. Someone's on the phone. Okay, this is Harper. And I was saying, I think I agree with the brother that just got through. We have to be willing to let the Holy Spirit convict us of what we're not, what, what is our fault, that we can then go on and ask God and the Holy Spirit to help us to become more Christ-like. When we stop looking at everybody else's faults and start looking at ours, then we're going to bring unity to the church because you don't have time to talk about anybody else when you're trying to get close with Christ and you're trying to t tell others and do God's will. Your concentration is on Christ himself and being more like him, not worrying about what somebody else has done or hasn't done. Mm -hmm. I, yeah, think also, I think also as church members, when we see a person struggling with jealousy, when we see a person struggling with uh, insecurity and anger, it's our job as well to just pray for that person and, and intercede on their behalf and genuinely care, you know, um, that they are, are struggling with this because everybody is struggling. We're all struggling. We're just all trying to make it. So um, I think it's, it's on us too to, we don't have to go to that person and say, we can if you think the person is receptive. But if not, leave them alone and, and don't, don't antagonize them. Just go to your closet and you pray gen, you know, genuinely that the Lord will help them. Because we know it's not, I'm going to say it's not them. I think we all want to do our best. But Satan steps in there and he can use people and he uses our weaknesses. He's been studying us and, and studying our parents and our grandparents. And so we, he knows what we're born, the tendency we're born with and what we're most likely to do. So we have to pray for each other that God will help us so that we can all be saved. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I would like to say, if I had an issue where, you know, I was causing problems or division, I would appreciate somebody taking the time to come to me and have a heart to heart talk with me about it. Cause I may not realize the effect I'm having on everyone else or on moving forward in unity. And it may be something going on with me, you know, that other people don't realize and that's how it's manifesting itself. So if somebody, you know, might just sit down with somebody and just really come to them in love and concern and have a heart to heart with them. They may find out a lot about that person or their situation that could help them through that and get them back on board. Mm -hmm. And I think it's interesting, Paul, you said too, it's me, it's me, it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Because some, sometimes we may be that one that's causing the schism. And we 
are not willing to accept that responsibility for having been the one that started it or caused it. And so I think in any situation like that, when we go to the Lord in prayer, we need to start with ourselves and say, is it me, Lord? You know, uh, when the disciples were sitting around the table and the Lord said, somebody's going to, you know, betray me. And he said, they said, is it me, Lord? You know, each one of them went around the table and said, is it me? And I think that we have to start with ourselves and say, Lord, show me, you know, what my part in it is, if anything at all. You know, what is my part in it? And then, you know, go on from there. Um, let's see. Uh, getting back to the study for today. Um, in that same paragraph, it says, now the God of patience and consolation grants you to be like-minded one toward another, according to Christ Jesus, that ye may be, that ye may with one mind and one mouth glorify God, even the father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So that, that's something that um, I think you had mentioned, Paul, being of one mind with God, being of one mind with the Lord. Um, let's go on down into the next paragraph. She says at the top of that paragraph, all the people of God should have an interest in his cause. And there's been a lack of interest among, and she specifically named the people in Wisconsin, but you know, we could apply that when we bring that forward to our day and our time, you know, we can certainly easily apply that to our day and our time. And as the Laodicean church, she was a part of the church of Philadelphia. We are the Laodicean church. So we could really apply that to our church and, and the seventh church the last church before Christ comes, um, having a lack of interest in his cause. And as you were saying, one of you was saying, you know, we, we were rich and increased with goods and thought we had need of nothing. Um, she said, there's been a lack of energy. Some think it no sin to idle away their time while others who love the precious cause of truth economize their time and in the strength of God exert themselves and labor hard that their families may be made neat and comfortable and they have something besides to invest in the cause. So basically, you know, and we see this in churches. We see this where there's a small group of people just working and working and working and working and working and getting burnt out. And then there's others. Paul, I like it saying that you say, say it again, Paul. <laughs> Standing on the promises while sitting on the premises. Absolutely. <laughs> So I think we see that in every church. But I have to say this, though, too, that, you know, I, I, I can't fault the ones that are sitting on the premises because especially the ones that keep coming every Sabbath and every week, because if they keep coming, I have to believe that God is doing something in them. And he's 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 doing a work in them that we may not be able to see and we may not be able to understand. And we wish they would do more. Or we like you were saying, Lakita, we wish they would do this or we wish they would do that or we wish they would do the other. But, but that some, God, God is working on them. Go ahead. But sometimes I think it takes Christians when you see somebody, they may not say that they want to do something, but when you extend that hand, I know your top did it for me when you said, you can go out with us even though you don't have a t-shirt. And I'm like, I can. And it's like, when you extend that, there, there may be people that's coming that want to do something, but if you don't extend to them to get them to join in, they may feel like, well, I'm really not part of the church, but I'm scared to ask, can I? you know, attend, can I do something? 
So I think we have to look at that as Christians, too. Are we showing that we want to reach out and pull them in because they want to do something? They're just maybe very shy and waiting for somebody to approach them. You know, I like to go back to what we um, what I said earlier, too. We don't they just not doing what we we see. Okay, we don't see everything. We don't see, you know, like the witnessing at church, the, I mean, at, at work, leading out in a Bible study. They, we just don't see it. That's true. So I think that's, that's come, true. Let's respect that they probably doing some type of, uh, um, of a ministry because to me, your life is your ministry. Just living is your proof that you are a Christian. And, and when people see you, then they see that and stuff. But I do think that um, Patsy has a good, point as well that you know maybe we can extend a hand do you want to but let me say this let's not extend a hand only for stuff we don't want to do and I, I really think a good example of that is also sister wellington because i had you know i have never been asked to be on a health uh, anything part of health and I've always wanted to do it but I kept quiet and I said mm -hmm. and I mean I came home with a new energy for God like I had never had before and it just continued just to be able to say she cared enough to say would you like to be on a health team and then mm -hmm. you know didn't actually let you do something I said and I think that's how we say we say faith by works is dead and I think that makes a difference it does it really makes a difference also, it says that every, everyone's going to be accounted, have to account for the gifts God gave them and how they used them. So while we are Christians and all members of the church, remember that we're all parts of the same body and we all have a duty to do. We all have a uh, something that God wants us to do to reach others. So we don't want to sit around idle either. Um, it does seem, as you had mentioned earlier, Karen, Sometimes it's the same 20% doing 80% of the work. Uh, it's good that we invite everyone to participate. It's good that uh, people do participate and give their all. Uh, I think we have to remember to keep in mind that the biggest thing that we, one of the biggest things we can ever do is to pray for our church family. Pray that those who are members of the family will have an urge and a desire to spread the message in whatever way that we can and also a urge that we lift up Christ, however we are, however is possible for us to do. Many ways to reach souls, many ways to spread the gospel, many ways to lift up the cross of Christ. And it's good that we take full advantage of them. I liked uh, Elder Brooks said, he was talking about the same thing about members of the church be being active and some members just not doing anything and he had a question in this poem, should I fly to heaven on flowery beds of ease while others fought to win the prize and died amidst bloody seas? Mm. So we have to remember people have given their lives to spread the gospel and we don't want to take advantage of that and just count their, their labor in vain, but just do our part, do our fair share to be ambassadors for Christ, which is what he's called us to be. That's an important point, Lee. You know, we used to sing a song, um, humble me and let me do thy will. <laughs> you mm. can't get to heaven in a rocking chair because God yeah. don't want lazy bones there. 
is the lie. <laughs> I think that indolence and apathy has crept into the church where we we position ourselves to be comfortable with our religion. And those are varying ways everybody has to determine upon themselves where they are. But I think that that is a danger that has crept into the church and society, period. We want to position ourselves to be comfortable. You know, we want to have just enough religion that we think we're going to be saved and, and, and just enough where we can still enjoy ourselves in the world where they're talking about straddling, straddling the fence, which is not going to be a comfortable position when the fence is on fire. But God says, you have to choose you this day whom you're going to serve. You can't compromise and be on one side in the middle. You have to be on one side or the other. Because if you think you're compromising, you're fully on, on Satan's side. You're not fully on God's side. Right. Absolutely. And it's funny that when you're running a race, you, if you stop at the point where you're comfortable, you're never going to finish it, are you? No. <laughs> no. It usually gets really hard at the end. Right. Have you all ever seen, I remember watching a race and I think it was, I don't know if it was one of the Olympic tri uh, trials or whatever it was, but the person twisted their ankle, but they were determined to finish the race. And the dad came in and helped him finish the race. Because mm -hmm. he was determined he was going to finish that race, mm -hmm. you know, and so we have to, we we as Christians have to be like that, that regardless of what we encounter, we have to be determined to finish the race. You know, not, we only, know but not only that, Karen, I think this is really good. I love that visual you just gave us when we see our brethren and our sisters nymphing to the finish line. Let's go back and help. Let's let's reach out in some kind of way. Hmm. Just thought I'd throw that in there. That that that's very interesting too that you said it like that, you know, because you hear people say, Well, you know what, I don't want to be around that person no more because how they treated me. You know, but you but but it's like, well, if you really thought about it and you say, Well, I know that that person doesn't have the connection <clears throat> with God that I have. And it's mm -hmm. like, okay, like you said, what can I do to help that person? And it may, and it may, some, some, sometimes people are in our lives only for a season. They're not there for the long haul. Mm -hmm. but what can I do during the period of time that that person is in my life, during the season that that person is in my life to help that person to get further along? You know, uh, I always like to say, uh, you know, Queen Esther and she, and, and, and the whole thing about Queen Esther was, uh, I think when, when, her uncle told her who knows that you've come to the kingdom for such a time as this, you know, and, you know, we know from Ellen White's writings that there will be people in heaven that will come up and thank us. And we say, we're like, okay, who are you? <laughs> you know? And they'll say, well, I didn't actually ever meet you, but I just observed you. And I just decided I, 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 I saw Christ in you. Mm. And, I just, you know, that just made me think about some things, go home and reassess my life or whatever. I remember one time I was in Walmart checking out and the cashier said to me, I just, you bet, I, I, I can't remember exactly what she said, but basically you have the spirit of the Lord on you. 
And I was like, what? <laughs> you know, because you don't really expect that. You know, you're just in Walmart checking out. But there, there are things like that. And there will be people in heaven that have watched how we have lived and said, I want to be like that person. You know, I, I think I need to be like that person. And so I, I, I just think that that. Well, they always say that the way that you live is a bigger sermon than what you say anyway. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, I think we all have to be conscious of that. Um, let's see. Down at the bottom of paragraph 324.2, she says, God requires those who have health and strength of body to do what they can and use their strength to his glory, for they are not their own. They are accountable to God for the use they make of their time and strength, which are granted them of heaven. Which goes back to what we were just talking about. You know, Lakita, you said, what if you see somebody limping in the race? What do you do? Go back and help them. You know, you're stronger. You're stronger spiritually. You're stronger physically. Whatever the case may be, you know. Um, am I my brother's keeper? Yeah, absolutely. I think we have to be careful with this uh, being quarantined and stuff that we don't get lazy. And, you know, when the quarantine's over, everybody just say, oh, forget it. We'll just stay at home and keep uh, wor- worshiping God from home, you know, because we do still want to be out and about spreading the gospel message. So we don't want to think that this is uh, time to just lay back and put our feet up and say, I'll let the Holy Spirit take care of it from here on out. We're still called to be God's faithful. So let me ask you a question, because, you know, because of the events that have happened in our country over the last, what is it, 11 days or whatever, it's a lot of people out protesting. What is our responsibility as Christians during a pandemic to be out on the front lines protesting. If you're going to be out there, wear your mask and your gloves and then your face shield and your um, gown. <laughs> I believe it's like, like the body of Christ. God gives gifts and burdens um, to different people. You know, and I believe that uh, everybody is not called to be on the front line, uh, the, but there are varying ways that you can make an influence and an impact. You know, I just had a conversation with on my job uh, uh, with a couple of people, and we talked about this. You know, it's it's uncomfortable, but you have to have candid conversations when it deals with race, the historic. Uh, you know, position that 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 we that the United States are coming from, and you have to go back to square one and bring it all the way out to put it into perspective on how people look at things, people's experiences. But so the whole point is, people deal with it from varying directions. Everybody don't have to hold a picket sign and walk down uh, New Hall's Ferry. Okay, some people call just to pray. You know. So we just, wherever God has given you the burden, you, you right in the corner where you are. You deal with that issue from whatever standpoint, whatever direction God puts on your heart to do. And, you know, Facebook has really um, opened the opportunity to really speak to people whom you otherwise would not have an opportunity to speak to. And to do exactly what Paul has said, to open your mouth and speak the truth, you do it as kindly and in as much love as possible. 
it is many, many ways to um, protest and to stand up for the right, for what is right. Even and sometimes it may even be in your own family that may not really fully understand what's going on or, or what happened, but it's our job to just speak the truth the way God wants us to. So when you ask, what is our responsibility? Our responsibility is always the same. Do what God tells you to do. Say what God tells you to say and go where he tells you to, uh, to go. And you don't need to do any more than that because that's what God has called you personally to do. You know, I was listening to um, something the other day talking about the protests. And that thing is kind of organized. I mean, they got people that bring sandwiches and waters and, you know, they're up at dawn preparing to be able to give to people, you know, the food and the this and that. So they may not be on that front line. They may not be walking that picket. They may be at the end of the protest providing these things. Or they said, uh, one girl was saying, well, so we go out, we look out to see who may need something and we give it to them. You know, so God calls everybody to do their part, whatever way that is. And like Paul said, prayer is the most that we can do. That is the best thing that we can do. I had mentioned earlier today in the uh, stewardship time period that Jesus was socially active and we want to be Christ-like, so it's okay for us to be socially active. Like everybody's pointing out in various ways, you can still stand up for the rights of those who are downtrodden. Jesus came to this world to do that very thing. Uh, my mom, she went on a walk, uh, protest march today at home. I think they marched five miles or something but my mom didn't march all five. She's, I think she's 85 years old now. So she didn't march all five. But what she did was at the end of the march, she was there for the uh, where they stopped and gave speeches and stuff like that. But she was still involved. And, you know, the whole point is do what you can as God leads you. Because we all want to show the love of Christ to whomever we can, however we can. Absolutely. Very good points. Um, okay. Hey, I want to bring up something. You know how 45 Oxley uh, held up that Bible like he didn't know what it was? No, the <laughs> devil didn't have him to show the Holy Bible, like the front of it. Like he didn't want people to know Holy Bible. But I mm. think people still got curious if not really into the Bible, want to look at the Bible, look inside of it. I think it was a Roman 828. God used all things for the good. Like, okay. It's like their, their curiosity about the Bible. That's my opinion. That's true. That's a good that's a good thought. My only thought was I hope his hand don't get burnt holding it. <laughs> <laughs> well, we got a lot of people. That was a lot of people are just holding up the Bible, but like 45, we won't we won't. We want him to open the Bible and actually start living out the, the principles therein. Absolutely. And 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 the thing about that whole thing was he used military force to knock the people out of the way to hold up a Bible that stands for love and compassion and empathy and for standing for the oppressed. And you know, the truth is the same military force is gonna be used to try and compel people's religious beliefs. Mm -hmm. I couldn't believe yeah. uh, what he said, Paul, he had it upside down. And, and, <laughs> and the funny thing about it is the compelling is going to be to go against the very principles contained in that word. Right. You mm -hmm. know, 
So it's not really compelling religious belief, it's compelling non-belief and unbelief. That's what's going to be compelled. Yeah, and I think his statement kind of left an eerie feeling for those who are Christians when he said it's just when they asked, you know, was it his? And I think his comment was something like, it's just, I mean, as if it was a normal, I mean, just an ordinary book. Mm. Well, <laughs> yeah. You know, it, 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 it's interesting because people who live out their lives trampling on and oppressing others, um, yeah, it's just, it's not a holy book to them. But you know, you guys, I'm going to say this. I am um, the NAD, North American Division, had a prayer meeting, an all night prayer service. Did anybody see that last week? So yeah. I got up and got on the line and um, was on there for about an hour and a half. And it was really, it was really nice. It was really good. And I think um, Karen and I, we've been uh, discussing unconditional love. So really, to be honest with you guys, my attitude towards 45 has really, really softened compared to what it used to be. And I, and I will have to say this, like Beverly said, which I really didn't want to hear. You really got to pray for the man. We just, we have to pray for him because, you know, God loves him too. And he loves and all God of these put him there. You know, God put him there. So yeah. That's so true. That's true. Amen. Well, and God put him there for, you know, for whatever reason. And, um... You know, like I said, it's, it's something I personally have to pray about my own self because he's there and he's helped uh, because 45 is there. He has helped me to see me a little bit better. I couldn't I probably can't make it to heaven with all that stuff going on about him. I mean, this man doesn't even know me. He could care less about me. And I keep thinking to myself, if I'm going to burn in hell, let it be because I'm doing something I want to do. Not because of an enemy or someone who I perceive as somebody I don't like keeping me out of heaven. That's crazy. So we have to be very prayerful and uh, search ourselves, as Paul said. We have to always be searching ourselves because this man is in there for a reason. And I think it really let's shake some things up around here because I look at the um, all the Caucasians that's coming out. You know, it used to be people who would march with Black people, Caucasians. Some of the times I think they were just doing that because, you know, it's kind of a cool thing to do. But I think genuinely I heard somebody say, and I've heard this on more than one one, um, one time, that could have been my son. They finally kind of like, oh, you know, this is just, it really on a different level has come to them that this is just so wrong. It's just really wrong and stuff. So I'm, I'm happy for that, but we... 45 should keep all of us on our knees a whole lot more than we used to be. Now that's interesting. What if, what if his purpose for being placed in office was to do that very thing, keep us on our knees? Hmm. He's accomplished it. <laughs> <laughs> keep us on our knees and to, re to recognize, you know, um, our own biases and, and our own, you know, feelings towards opposite uh, different races and, how we perceive, and not only that, but how we perceive them, okay, how we perceive ourselves in reflecting upon them. Like, do that make sense? When we look at them, how we feel about us. So that's kind of an important thing for all of this is good stuff for us to become better Christians. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I had to, when this, uh, when we did the lockdown in, in March, 
I kept calling y'all's church with the numbers that I had. And so I came, and I'm going to be honest, my thinking was, oh, now I really see they consider me not to be, you know, part of TOPS or not, to, you know, just to be fellowshipping. There's no need for them to include me in anything else. And then I kept trying, and me and Sister Lewis talked, and then I talked to Sister Yavetta, and I finally gave up. I said, well, they, you know, they have to concentrate on their only their members. And then when I finally talked to Karen and she said it's a whole different number, it was like, I was like, God, why did I think that? And mm. I thought, I need prayer because mm. I went there. I said, they only have to worry about them. I said, and I said, and you know, like I said, I said, and I enjoy doing things. And I thought, I said, it's not, I said, now I said, they're not concerned, you know, about anybody but was at their church, you know, and I said, you know, and every, you know, everybody has to look after their members. So, and I just said, well, I said, I guess I'll never be able to join in or nothing. But when Karen told me about all these new numbers, I was like, what? <laughs> and, you know, like I said, and I went to God on my knees. I said, Lord, I said, they had, I said, I went to a negative thought about them just automatic. Like they only worry about just what's at the top. And I said, and you don't know how sorry I cried. I cried. And then when my daughter called me, she said, you don't do your classes and you don't keep in contact with the tops no more. And then I told her what happened. She said, see, mama, I told you, you need Facebook. <laughs> so, you know, we kind of <laughs> laughed. And I told her, I said, well, why you at work? You pray for me. I said, because Karen said it wasn't anything personal. It's just that I had all wrong numbers now. So I just wanted y'all to know, I just, I stayed in prayer and my heart was hurt. I was hurt. Well, Patsy, I can tell you from all of us, we love you. Don't you ever think like that again. <laughs> I, I keep that wasn't nothing but the devil. That wasn't nothing but the devil. You, you need to change your membership and come on over and join Top. So. <laughs> okay. Um, listen, I want to end up with the last paragraph. Um, where she says, honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. She says, those that are slothful may quiet themselves with the thought that God requires nothing of them because they have no increase. This will be no excuse for them for if they had diligently employed their time, if they had not been slothful in business, they would have had increase. Had they resolutely exerted themselves to earn something to cast into the treasury of God, ways would have been opened for them. And they would have had an increase to, to devote to the cause of God and thus lay up treasure in heaven. So basically, I mean, that's just really saying it's no excuse. Um, and I'm going to go back to what you were talking about, Lakita. Uh, it's no excuse that, um, or, and also Paul, no excuse for me to just be sitting on the premises or resting on the promises. <laughs> is that how you say it, Paul? <laughs> and that God has given all of us an ability to do something in his church. And like you said, Lakita, it's not going to be all the same thing. It's not going to be all the same gifts, all the same talent. But that he's given us the ability to do something. And so if all we are doing is simply sitting, that's all we're doing. Then she says, God is not going to excuse us because he's given all of us something and and some means by which um, we can gain an increase. 
in his service. And so um, we're going to be held accountable and responsible for that which we have been given. You know, it's so funny because I remember one time when we were in class and we were talking about something and one of the people said, well, that's not my gift. Well, it may not be. So whatever your gift is, though, you are to gain interest on it. Put it to good use and gain interest on it. And so as part of the body of Christ, and we're talking about coming together, this whole chapter has been talking about coming together in unity of the faith and, and, and working together towards that common goal, which is, first of all, to make our, get into heaven ourselves, make ourselves a committee of one. Who says that all the time? Which one of y'all say that all the time? Make yourself a committee of one to get into heaven. Beverly says that. That's Beverly that says that. Make ourselves a committee of one to get into heaven ourselves, but also there will be no one in heaven without stars in their crown. So we got to bring others with us, which goes back to something you said, Lakita. What if you see somebody limping? Go back and see what you can do to help them. You know, not give up, not give up on the race because somebody is limping. And so I just want to close with that. If anybody has any comments, um, go ahead and share them now and then we'll close out. When Jesus said that we're going to be judged on how we treat the least of them, my brethren. And so Jesus came to seek and to save those that were lost. He told the Pharisees, I didn't come to heal those. The physician didn't come to treat those that are whole, but those that are sick. And so that as, as representatives of Christ, it's our duty. When you call yourself a Christian, then you cannot see hurt. You cannot see pain and suffering and ignore it. You have to, to be drawn to those people. To, to, to be a shelter, to be a friend, to be a shoulder, a listening ear. However God impresses you to reach people's heart because that's what salvation and love is all about. Like they say, they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care mm -hmm. about them. And I think mm -hmm. oftentimes we lose so many people. We're not effective in our ministry because we're trying to give them or show them so much knowledge instead of the love that is really the, the key factor. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, that just brings to mind uh, something that, and I'm sure all of you all have seen it if you watched the news this week, uh, the elderly man that was pushed down by the police officers and just left there and they just walked past him. That was so horrible. It was, it was absolutely appalling. But, you know, we as Christians have to make sure that we're not like that, that we don't, you know, just roll over people and keep on going. And so um, with that, I think we'll, we'll close out on that note. Um, and then uh, Alvina, you want to yes. give us a closing prayer? I'm going to ask four prayers, a prayer, special uh, prayer for my, um, my brothers and sisters and nephews. Oh, OK. OK. Uh, anybody else have a special prayer request? Pray for my dad, who's at Missouri Baptist Hospital. Okay. Okay. And pr pray for my family, because I said uh, 
we don't get to see each other so much since especially my oldest daughter is working at that nursing home, 16 and 12 hours. So I just keep them in prayer and I just thank God, you know, when they call, I said, you know, I got kept you in prayer. Just want to make sure everybody's doing okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. And uh, just keep my family in prayer also. Um, we are, um, you know, holding on through this quarantine. And uh, we're just thankful that um, the Lord is still providing for our needs. Um, but we, we, you know, we all need protection from this thing that's out there, this unseen plague that's out there. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. This is Paula, please pray for um, me and my family, particularly my sister with her loss. Yes, yes, okay. Uh, and Lee, would you tell us uh, where what we're studying next week? Uh, <clears throat> next week, last day events, we're on chapter 12, The Shaking. And it's interesting, the first sentence says, it's a solemn statement that I make to the church that not one in 20 whose names are registered on the church books are prepared to close their earthly history. Mercy. Mercy. Chapter 12, The Shaking. Mercy, mercy. Okay, uh, Lakita, would you close us out with prayer? Okay, well, let's bow our heads for prayer. Most honorable Father, in the blessed name of Jesus, we are grateful for this Sabbath day, Lord. We are grateful for the peace that you have given us. We praise your holy name for uh, your loving kindness towards us. God, Father, your servants whom you love, whom you care about, whom you died for, are seeking help from you for their family members, for their children, for their brothers, their sisters, you know, their nieces and their nephews, and for those who are sick, their fathers, the Lord, and for those who are bereaved, dear Father, we ask the Lord for your um, your mercy first of all upon each family, upon each member, dear Lord. We ask the Father that you would give us wisdom on how to speak to them so that they may desire to follow you. That's the Spirit of God will intercede, uh, intervene on our behalf, intercede uh, this prayer, intercede for them that you, Lord, will continue to work with our family so that they will desire to be saved. And Lord, you know the unrest that this uh, world is is in. On every every place and every corner of this world is touched, dear Father, uh, as a result of sin. We ask for your blessings and your help with the pandemic, that you will be with the first responders, be with the researchers, Lord, and we ask that you will show them the right way to go and what to do, dear Lord. We ask that you will help us not to be um, uh, soon to do your work, dear Father, but to be willing to go wherever you want to go to We ask a special blessing for the protesters, for those who are out there protesting. And we ask the Lord for the policemen who have to uh, watch over and protect even those protesters who are protesting some of the actions that have been caused by the police. So Lord, we ask for your mercy upon everybody. It seems like it's such, so much conflict. And Lord, we ask that you for a special blessing upon uh, the president of the United States, the Lord, we ask that you in some kind of way touch through that mass of a brain that he has. The Lord, we ask that you will help him some kind of way. The Lord, we ask that you will help us, help us to have the right attitude, touch our hearts, dear Father, change us, that we may be saved. In the blessed name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 Uh, just one quick announcement. Uh, our chat is tomorrow at 2 p.m. So for any of you that want to get on, you, you should have received the information today. All right. 
Okay, uh, this, this is Harper. I did. I she kind of faded out. Something's going on tomorrow. Oh, okay. I'll I'll call you and give you the information. Okay, who am I talking to? This is Karen. Uh -huh. Oh, okay then. All right. Okay then. All right. <laughs> Okay, okay have everybody, a week, everybody, have a blessed Sabbath. Amen. Bye-bye. Bye. Hey, Karen. Yes. Karen. Yes. Okay, we have to... Um